You're listening to The Melting Podcast, a writing variety show featuring a little of everything from everyone, everywhere. Hey, lexiconosaurs and word chefs, uh, we have a special interview for you today. I guess we should probably apologize to you. We had a little bit of technical difficulty with this interview, a few minor glitches that you might notice during the course of it, but we have a feeling you'll still enjoy it anyway. Yeah, it's mostly just like a word or two got distorted, but you'll still be able to tell what he's actually saying. So here you go. Context cues are great. Yeah. So here's an interview. Bon appetit. Hey, lexiconosaurs and word chefs. It is your head chef, A.F. Grappin. Uh, My grill mistress is is around here somewhere. Oh, hi. Over here. (laughs) And we are here for another Hellmaw release with uh, the author of Dragon Dreams, Chris Jackson. Hey, Woo! how's it going? <laughs> she celebrates everything. <laughs> I do indeed. As you should. Yes. <laughs> so Dragon Dreams is releasing today. I have had the privilege of already reading a copy, but I'm not going to brag about it. I shall shake my fist at you. Well, see, the thing is you get to actually ask Chris about it. I do get to ask him about it. I'm going to represent those of us who have not been privileged enough to read it yet. So, Chris, would you pitch your book to me? Okay, sure. Um, A young and um, socially repressed young scientist, brilliant yet um, very difficult with people, Mm -hmm. comes across a long-buried sample in the archives of the Museum of Comparative Zoology in Harvard. And little be known to her, this is actually a um, failed experiment of one of the elders, an attempt to protect the Earth from demons. And little does she know that it is also infectious. Oh, dun, nice. dun, 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 <laughs> dramatic music. Oh, I love it. <laughs> so, and mayhem ensues. Well, of course. Yes. <laughs> it's not very good. You have to have a book with mayhem. I mean, come right. on. Yeah. Actually, this would be December ham because it happens around Christmas and January. Get it? May. Uh, yeah. huh. Which is appropriate because the whole the whole um, story takes place in Boston in the winter, in, yeah. in Cambridge in the winter. So. Wait, yeah. you can get anything done in Boston in the winter? I thought there oh, was yeah, too much snow. <laughs> well, actually, we just spent – my wife and I just spent a winter on on Cape Cod, and, and this is mm. a far cry from our usual winters in, in the Caribbean. And, um, <laughs> and um, serendipity being what it is, they had record-breaking snow last winter. Wow. And, uh, <laughs> And so, yeah, I saw more of the white stuff than I ever want to see again. So we're heading south. <laughs> south for the winter. I, I hear that's the way to Absolutely. go. Absolutely. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. So you seemed but, pretty intrigued with the uh, with the pitch, Aaron. I did. I was very intrigued with the pitch. So you have a female lead. And I, and I have to ask, um, because something I have trouble with is, is writing men. Uh, was it difficult for you to write a female lead? Or was that relatively easy for you? I've done it several times. Um, I've got several other stories out um, with with uh, female leads and um, um, quite a lot of experience doing it. And um, I draw heavily on my experiences married to a strong scientist female type. So, <laughs> uh, and um, and it, it kind of dovetailed in nicely. Um, uh, my wife, Anne, is from Boston, um, mm-hmm. from the Boston area, just south of Boston, Quincy. 
And so we researched the novel by just basically walking through Boston and Cambridge and taking a ton of pictures and going through the MCZ, a Museum of Comparative Zoology. We're, we're total science geeks. She's That's a PhD wonderful. marine biologist, and I'm a, I'm a uh, marine biologist wannabe. Um, <laughs> when it, I went into – I went into uh, medical science to uh, to you know because they pay better, but you know, <laughs> twenty years of that, and then I, then I quit, and now we're sailing and writing books. So, which is enviable. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, it's kind of the win, isn't it? <laughs> you yeah, know what you like bit. and and eat. Um, you kind of have won the game of life, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it sounds so. like you like to put a lot of research into your books for the backstory and the background. Um, actually, as far as the um research for this book. I've researched this book more than I've researched any other book I've ever written, um, mainly because it's a contemporary work mm-hmm. yeah. and um, there's a lot of science involved. Yeah. Well, it, because, I mean, the protagonist is a scientist and they actually do a DNA analysis of the sample and are all confused mm-hmm. by what they're finding. So, Yeah, it, it, I have to say it really showed the research did in the book because – and oh. what was great is – I mean I'm – I'm a musician by education, but I'm obviously a writer by everything else. And, <laughs> and I mean, I'm, I, I get science, but I am not scientifically minded, but I did not feel lost reading all the technological mumbo jumbo that happened in this book. I followed along pretty easily. Good. I'm glad. Yeah, I, it, I didn't do a flyby. <laughs> no, 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 you didn't. It was so intriguing. Cool. Just yeah. Knowing, yeah okay. So. You're selling me. You're selling me. <laughs> well, I've, I've already told you that I really think you would like Alexi. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, ha- I have to say, though, Chris, one thing that intrigued me about about, about her is how well, – and this just goes for the whole book in general – is you reveal things so subtly. <laughs> and honestly, you did that with her name because oh, you yeah. know because she, cause she's in there as Alexi but the first time you see her i think it's just Lexi and then she makes you know it's all through her point of view so there's the comment right. the the mental thought that you know they pronounced it wrong they rhymed it with sexy so i'm right. sitting there like so how is it pronounced so my mind went to Alexi putting the emphasis somewhere else and then when you actually right. go back you know two chapters after right. that and really describe it that's right. the kind of, that's just the way that you seem to reveal things and it went through the entire book. Everything is just so slow. I loved it. Well good. Nice. I'm glad. I like that. Yeah, I don't I don't I'm not an info dumper. I don't like the uh, there's two things I don't like. I don't like info dumps and I don't like obligatory physical descriptions. Mhm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um you could probably get I don't know a third of the way through most of my novels before you know who, what the protagonist really looks like. And mm-hmm. And I don't ever have a problem with people like mispronouncing names of the characters and stuff like – especially with fantasy. You can really get some weird fantasy names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a know. fantasy author. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. In fact, it's funny because I was just listening to some of the audiobooks that Paizo was putting out on my other stuff, and they just did the backlist on, audio, on Audible, and the narrator – pronounced the, one of the names completely different than I would have pronounced it well than I had intended but you know it works and yeah. it's just it's just it only grates on my nerves the first couple of times you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, no you got it wrong <laughs> when there really is no right and wrong which is try why I try to kind of mm. you know lean away from that the reader will enjoy it in their own mind you know in their yeah. own head yeah. yeah, I always like it when I read a book and it, it leaves a little up to my imagination, whether that's with a slightly open ending or, like you said, not fully describing the main character until later. I, I do like being allowed 
to let my mind make some pictures with it, being given the mm-hmm. clues and then form the picture and then find out if I'm right or wrong. Yeah, I right. love that. Well, see, <laughs> I've actually found myself doing that in my writing, but um, and Aaron and I have mentioned this before that um, if you just, for example, this sort of not knowing what your main character looks like, um, Orson Scott Card does that in Ender's Game. He never describes Ender. He hardly describes any of the characters really in any detail. And just because I like Sean Bean, I always pictured Bean as being a little blonde kid. Right. He's Greek. <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> He's yeah. like the opposite of blonde. That's not so just, very pop. Yeah, not too many blonde Greeks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's just, it's just, it, but it does. I, it, I didn't find that it drew away from my picturing of Alexi because honestly, I pictured Aaron. <laughs> right. And I was thinking of Alexi just because she's that kind of a personality. Right. And it was interesting because when they were going through the character sketches for this, um, Eric the Seal, uh, Eric, Eric the Seal, is his first name Eric? Um, I can't remember. Our artist for yeah. the for the Hellmont books. Yeah. Um, uh, he does a lot of art for Pathfinder and a couple other things like that, which is how he's in the gaming group. But he does yeah. he does character sketches for all the characters, and I had to go through like you know I was looking for somebody Slavic, not not classically beautiful, but pretty kind of below the surface mm-hmm. um, for Alexi, um, and. Um, I found a, a couple of really good pictures of of um, you know Russian Slavic uh, young women with with really classic looks, but not like over made up or anything else like that. And and I kind of just copied one and sent it to him and said, "That's Alexi right there." And he said, "Bingo, got it." <laughs> nice. It's so much easier to send somebody a picture than it is to, to describe. You know, pictures worth a thousand words. Yeah. Yeah. So you so you can just take you know a hundred pictures and there you got a novel. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'm curious, how did you get involved in the Ed Greenwood group? Um, I had met Ed when I was writing a um, series of uh, nautical fantasies for a Canadian small press, uh, Dragon Moon Press. The mm-hmm. the series is the Scimitar Seas novels, and I had I was on my second one. Of a four book series, and I, uh, my editor, um, had, um, talked me into going to a Canadian, um, convention at Astra in Toronto. Oh, wow. And it was interesting because at the time I was in the Bahamas, <laughs> and, um, I actually had to, um, because this was important. She said, This is important. You need to come to this. And I was like, All right. And so I got out my credit card and I hopped on a plane and flew to Toronto. <laughs> From the Bahamas, and so like oh it was my gosh, eighty degree um, um, temperature difference, you know, snow flurries and stuff like this. <laughs> but I I got to meet Ed the first time there, and um, my editor had given him a copy of the first one of the Scimitar Seas novels, uh, Scimitar Moon, and he loved it. And wow. <laughs> so I gave him a pre-release copy of the second one, and he wrote me a fantastic blurb for the front of it and everything else like that. Oh. Wow! And so we kind of we kind of clicked, and uh, you know I. Been a, I've been a gamer my whole adult, well, even even pre-adult life, and I played D&D until, you know, and I've read a bunch of Ed's books and stuff like that. So it was a little bit of hero worship, but he's so earthy. He's so easy to get along with. Yes. And, and he's such a he's such a cherubic personality. <laughs> he's just – he's always – almost always happy. I have seen him angry a couple of times, and it, it's like his face kind of clouds over, and you kind of take a step back. And he's like, he's going to cast lightning bolts any second. <laughs> But anyway, so uh, so after that, um, I met him a couple of times at other gaming conventions, um, and a couple of years ago, um, 
he walked up to me at um, Gen Con in um, oh, Indianapolis. I want to go there. So and bad. oh, that's such a fantastic convention. Well, I'm from Indiana, so I've got places oh, yeah? I can stay. I'm like, yes, absolutely. let's go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, he walked up to me and he had that uh, that cherubic grin on his face, and he and he, and he did the Ed, Ed Greenwood. I must speak with you. <laughs> I was like, okay, Ed, what's this about? It's, it's, I, have a, says, I have a quest I, for you. <laughs> actually, he handed me a, a sheaf of paper and said, I need you to sign this and not ask me any questions. <laughs> and it was a non-disclosure agreement that had the whole Hellmaw world in it. Yes. And I said, okay, because it didn't have the world. You couldn't read it until you signed it, right? So right. basically yeah. you're signing whatever Ed tells me or hands me, I can't disclose to anyone. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so I did, and I, you know, I was like, whatever, fine, great. And he's, it, he said it's a project that I think you'd be interested in, and but you can't disclose. And I said, great. So I signed it, and then he, I read it all. And and the really cool part was at that point, my mind went bing because I had the manuscript for Dragon Dreams done. Wow. It, wow. it just wasn't written in Helmaw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was so it's so dovetailed in. I just had to make the bad guy a demon and yeah. i was done there was wow. almost no change to the manuscript i went through i said ed i've got a manuscript for you and he said really and i said yeah let me just do a rewrite on it it'll take me a month and i'll have it on your desk and you tell me what you think and he says oh that's this <laughs> so that's why and uh and that's why i'm like number two is i just happen to have something yeah. for him you know? and so yeah, yeah i kind of it's just serendipity you know Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and my next question was going to be, why Helma? Well, like you said, serendipity. Yeah, yeah, that he wanted me to write for Helma, and he also wants me to write for one of the other worlds that they're doing. Um, that is codenamed Pony Island Adventures. It uh-huh. doesn't have a. It's it's a basically a fantasy world, and, and I'll probably write a, a nautical fantasy for that. That's my. Cool. That's kind of my stock and trade thing that I'm doing now for a lot of the gaming companies is nautical fiction. Since you know, hey, I'm on the water, so yeah, makes sense, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I, we will be seeing ahead. you in another area then. Of the group. Oh yeah, I've got. Uh, like I said, I do have the the um, four book series published from uh, Dragon Moon Press, uh, the Scimitar Seas novels. That's complete. That's the, and it won me three national awards through uh, through Forward Book Reviews. I won uh, gold medals for best uh, fantasy novel of the year three years in a row, which has never been done before. Wow! Nice. Congratulations. Yeah, I was really really pleased with that. The, the first one was like woohoo. The second one was like you're kidding me. And the third one was like what? What? <laughs> what? No. And so when the fourth one came out, I was waiting for the other shoe to drop, and they, and they, I got nominated, but I didn't get. And I finally decided, well, they probably have pretty sick of seeing me. <laughs> but uh, but so um, so that that series went really really well, yeah. and uh, um, my wife and I have been co-writing um, under our own imprint too, self-publishing basically. Mm-hmm. Um, some. Some other stuff set in my own world, same world as the uh, Scimitar Seas novels, um, that is non-nautical. It's it's uh, um, all set in my own uh, empire of, of Sing, and it's uh, um, the the most successful series is the Weapon of Flesh novels, and it's basically a magical assassin series. Ooh, I um, like that. So, yeah, ma- assassins imbued with magical tattoos that make them kick-ass powerful. That sounds like something right up Aaron's alley and mine. Yeah, that's yeah. perfect for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go by my website and have a look. Um, and I, I, I really have a fantastic cover artist for, for my self-published stuff. His name is Noah Stacy, and he's just done some amazing stuff for me. And so I owe him a lot, too, because, you know, the visual buying experience on Amazon is what really kicks a lot of things over the over the tipping point. Mm-hmm. And 
And that series has tipped and, and basically has earned my living for the last two or three years. So, nice. so I'm really happy with that. And then, of course, I'm writing for some gaming publishers. I'm writing for Paizo um, in Pathfinder Tales. I have two of those out, Pirate's Honor and Pirate's Promise. And pirates. I have a third one. Yes, Pirates. <laughs> uh, and uh, I have a third one coming out in January, uh, Pirate's Prophecy. And then a fourth one, I just handed in the manuscript. And then I just handed in the outline for a fifth. So wow. So those guys love me. Um, and <laughs> I'm writing some stuff for Privateer Press, uh, also Pirates, but in their Iron Kingdoms world, which is like high fantasy steampunk on steroids. Um, mm. Oh, it's wicked. I mean, I get to write nautical engagements with cannons. How freaking cool is that? That's awesome. You know, and, and big mechanoid um, constructs that are magically controlled and magic and spells and dwarves and elves and oh my god, it's just fantastic. Aaron, <laughs> I, I think we need to, to raid his uh, his backlog. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might end up with a new favorite author here. <laughs> He's well, speaking my language. <laughs> That's some fun stuff. And like I said, uh, um, Paizo, um, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, Paizo had just, has just cut a deal with Tor Publishing to distribute oh. the, um, the Pathfinder Tales novels. So the distro <laughs> now is going to be boom instead yeah. of bang. Yeah, that's – Wow. And so I'm really psyched about that. Um, and they're putting everything out on audio, and Paizo um, shelled out to, to take the backlist and put it on audio. So <sighs> – Oh, well, I uh, I live on Audible, so yeah, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be getting a lot from me. <laughs> Meet Tom Statford, keeper of the Conclave. <laughs> Damn, I don't sound respectable. Private detective to the gods, the god of the sun, the hunt, and truth, Apollo. Shushum. Big as life and twice as badass. The Baron Samity has dominion over life and death. All the gods. Lucifer, Lord of the Flies, Prince of Lies. He's faced zombies, cultists, and assassins. He's even faced down commitment itself. We don't even know where we're getting married, do we? But the world has changed. The gods are trapped on Earth among the very humans who worship them, or don't. Some of the cults were the fun kind. Like Dionysus? Or Aphrodite. Their meetings can be somewhat energetic. Did I mention it was all the gods? Hell, I got dating advice from Coyote yesterday. The fun and games are over. In the latest Statford Chronicles book by John Walker, Tom Statford is... I just wanted to let each of you know that this is your last night on Earth. Best served cold. This is the way it has to be. Best served cold, book seven of the Statford Chronicles. Available December 2015. When the gods fall, who's going to pick them up? I hope you enjoy dying by my hand. tell you stories <laughs> because my mother is never going to hear this thank god <laughs> i don't know I might have to track her down and send it <laughs> she keeps telling me why don't you send me one of your books well i've sent her a lot of my books um and she's tried to read them and she never really you know can get into them she she mm -hmm. likes romances and stuff like that and, and 
you know, some old westerns and stuff, but mm-hmm. my stuff's just a little bit over the top of her, of her <laughs> tolerance for, for suspension of disbelief. Yeah. So, yeah. My parents like true crime stuff and I'm like over here writing like fantasy. <laughs> that just, I, no. I was the lucky one. My parents used to play D and D and my dad got me into Lord of the Rings and my mom reads Game of Thrones. And so <laughs> I yeah. was the lucky one. They always encouraged all the fantasy for me. Yeah, very cool. <laughs> uh, I wish. <laughs> but anyway, my uh, mother-in-law used to say, why don't you just write a nice love story? And, and my my wife always used to tell her, he does. There's romance in everything I, I write, really. I, I always include a little bit of romance in what I write, mm-hmm. which actually kind of shocked the people at Paizo when I when I handed them a novel and there was actually a relationship in it. And and but it worked because it wasn't a romance novel. It was mm-hmm. a it was a, a pirate um, scam story, uh, Pirate's Honor. Uh, basically, if you take Pirates of the Caribbean and mix it with Ocean's Eleven, you've got the story. Ooh, um, yeah, it's it's fun. And throw Those are in, words I like. <laughs> yeah, and and throw in a relationship between a pirate captain and his and his navigator who happens to be a lunar naga. <laughs> Talk about relationship issues. <laughs> Yeah, some intimacy problems there, I'd say. Right. Well, you know, magic can a- accomplish all kinds of interesting things. <laughs> the biggest problem is that she's venomous. Yeah, that would do it. <laughs> Just a little bit anyway. And she's got a temper, but anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. Um, and I got some real kudos for it, for writing a good relationship. And then the second one, Pirate's Promise, came out, and I wrote another relationship in that. Got some fantastic reviews for that relationship. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm doing okay. So yeah. 20, 26 years of marriage, I finally figured out how to write, write a relationship. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. I, I hear long, successful marriages tend to be that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly did like the, the little bit of romance that you had in Dragon Dreams. There's – well, I, I actually contacted you regarding – my feelings towards the midpoint of the book, but I'm not going to spoil oh, that yeah. for anyone. Yeah, there's, oh. dip, there's definitely a tipping point in yeah. the book. Yeah. yeah, it's it's such a slow burn, but I, I think it was like 47% in is when everything just started to explode and it right. it just cascaded. So yeah. it's it's yeah, a, that, that was my only concern with the book with that it is it is a long read. It's about almost 140,000 words, and um um it's a slow build. Mm-hmm. Um. And but, you know, and I did a rewrite on it and I cut quite a lot from that build, but still it's a long build. Um, But once it once you once shit starts to happen, excuse me, but once stuff (laughs) starts to happen, it really happens. Yeah. And then then it's a rocket ride. and You're hanging on. And see, that's the kind of pacing I tend to like. I tend to like to get a good feel for the world. Who are my people? Who are my characters? And get comfortable in a book before I then have to go, oh, my God, now what? Ah Right. I I really like that kind of pacing because instead of giant info dump at the beginning, where am I? Who are these people? What's going on? What's my motivation? It gives me time to care Right. instead of just thrusting me into the middle of something and expecting me to find my way. So it sounds like the pacing would be just right for me. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, some of the you know some of the um, RPG stuff I, I've written, they expect you to start out with a bang. Yeah, you know they they want that punch at the beginning, and yeah. that's that's almost a given. You have to have some kind of action in the beginning, beginning whether it's mm-hmm. gelling your characters or introducing your characters or whatever. There yeah. has to be some kind of a punch in the beginning. Um, and that, that's then, how RPG goes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. You know. 
how did your characters meet? In a bar fight or whatever. Yeah. You know? But mm-hmm. so so RPG readers kind of expect that kind of a, a pattern, a, a boom, then a build, and then slow slow peak build up. Mm-hmm. You know, peak peak valley, peak valley, peak valley. Yeah. And uh, one of the other writers I really respect who writes Pathfinder Tales, uh, Leanne Roussel, um, um, we kind of are on the same page there as far as pacing novels. You know, things have to be paced properly. You can't just, you know, peek out and hold hold your reader hostage at a high level of action, interest, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, you, you read novels, you read a lot of work and, and you yeah. can tell one that's that's trying to do that, you know. Yes. And it <laughs> it's like, can I just take a breath here? <laughs> you know, this uh-huh. is good, but can I take a breath? <laughs> and I think that I think the old, you know, you peak and then you rest and then you peak and then you rest. That that kind of an advancement in, in pacing works better for me. Mm-hmm. I'm actually still hung up on that book is almost 140,000 words. Pretty close, 138, <laughs> it, something like that. It, it, yeah. didn't, it did not feel like it. Reading no. it, it felt more like an 80,000-word novel. Wow. It, huh. it, 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 I was that driven to reading it. So, yeah. oh, so cool. <laughs> you, you, you that's did a good – that's a, that's a good compliment, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think that's all the questions that we really had. So Yeah. Got some good stuff here. I think so. Yep. So where can uh, where can we find you on the internet? Obviously, Amazon and right. Audible. Yep, just look for Chris A. Jackson, or um, if you want to check out my website, it's Jack's Books. That's J-A-X Books dot com. And uh, I've got links to there there to all my work and free chapters and some audio books you can download for free and stuff like that. You know. Yeah, awesome. we're we're totally rating that site when we're done. Yeah. <laughs> Do so. Do uh, so. Yeah. Was there anything else you want to talk about, Chris? Um, if you if you're into food, you might like uh, the satirical uh, sci-fi series I put out. Um, it's in it's in audible format, um, just for from download from the uh, website. Um, it's called Cheese Runners. <laughs> I and, love cheese. <laughs> and here is the tagline: because in the future, the only weapon against the evil aliens is a nice sharp cheddar. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the first one's free because, hey, everybody needs a, the first hits free. And uh, che- Cheese Runner's the first one, and you can just stream it straight from the website. So, yes. yeah, guys, enjoy it. I, pl- I love I, it. Definitely, definitely. But, yeah, I, I throw chapters up of all of my work um, for people to read because, hey, you, you know, you, you want if you're going to buy something, you want a, you want a real taste. You don't just want this little blurby thing, right? Yeah. So That's nice. So Excellent. very cool. Yes. Well, we really do appreciate you coming on. Well, Thank hey, so my much. pleasure, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this has been fun. So, yes, and sure. we will look forward to the release of Dragon Dreams, the second book of the Hellmaw series. Yeah. <laughs> Yay! 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 <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Melting Podcast. You can check out our website with submission guidelines and current prompts at TheMeltingPodcast.com You can also find us on Twitter at MeltingPodcast or you can email us TheMeltingPodcast at gmail.com The Melting Podcast is released under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license which means you're free to copy it and share it as long as you don't change it, don't sell it and always link back to the website. Sound effects are by The Free Sound Project. And our theme is by Drew Richcreek.
stuff.